This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamaliti. The thing that I've learned most about our flavor combinations in building out gin is that it's these like small additions that can make such a difference. And small additions of things that you might not realize go really nicely in something. With our main gin, it has things like fennel and coriander and these two roots called angelica and orris root. And a lot of people by themselves, when they taste those flavors, they're like, oh, I, I don't I don't like fennel, right? I don't like that fennel-y flavor. But when it's in the gin and it's sort of mixed in with it, they're like, oh, actually, this, this really adds to it. That's Jacqueline Reed. She's one of the owners of the family-owned and operated Reed's Distillery. Jacqueline's passionate about creating gin that is adventurous in flavor. If you've never been to a distillery, book a tour with Reed's Distillery. My girlfriends and I talked, listened, learned, and sampled our way through Reed's with Jacqueline, guiding us every step of the way. Welcome, Jacqueline. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited about this. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited. I mean, we had such a great time when we visited when we uh, visited the distillery. Um, that I, I thought I, I just I really need to have you on. One of my favorite parts of owning the business is we get to do these tours. We get to show people around and, and talk about all the flavors of gin and and yeah, I think it's such a, a cool fit with Kitchen Confessions because you guys are always looking at sort of the flavors and food. And I think there's such a huge overlap between the two. Now that we're there, tell me about Reed's Distillery. How did you get started? Take me through it. Yeah. So we, um, it's a family business, as you said. So it's me, my two brothers and my dad. And, um, you know, I lived in the UK for 10 years and gin there is super adventurous and it's got like loads of different kinds of flavors in there. Um, and when I went over to the UK, I was just, I was shocked. I was like, you can, you can have gin that's infused with seaweed. And I was trying all these like different types of gin, you know, strawberry rhubarb or maybe something that's really peppery. And, and I really enjoyed it. And I kept bringing it back to Canada. And um, a couple of years ago, my dad was looking to open a business and my, my brothers had a bit of a background on the beer side. And, um, and we sort of, we thought about opening a brewery, but, but actually then we realized what we really want in Toronto is more gin, uh, more creative gin. And, and so, um, and so we decided to open up a gin distillery. Um, and yeah, it took us uh, about a year and a half to build out the business and get everything set up. And, and then we opened uh, this past May and it's good. It's been amazing to see like how much passion there is. Um, we knew we were passionate about it, <laughs> but I don't think we could have ever expected like how passionate people are about flavor in their drinks and and finding more interesting uh, sort of yeah drinks to have. Why did you decide gin? Why not whiskey? Why not something else? Why gin? Yeah, good question. Um, gin for us, it is like that halfway point between cooking and science because a lot of distilling is very technical, right? It's about getting it to be like very pure, very smooth. And gin has that aspect. But then the thing that makes you know gin different from vodka is you basically take a really good spirit and then you add flavor and you build a flavor profile and you get to sort of add in, we call them in the distilling world botanicals, but it's really just a fancy word for herbs and spices. And then we get to add in all these herbs and spices to build up a flavor profile. And that's where the sort of, for me, I've always loved cooking and flavor. 
And that was the sort of crossover um, with gin is that it has that tactical side, but also like loads of flavor stuff that we get to play with. And it's because of that, it's just super creative. It means as well, like when you're making cocktails, we, so we've got our main gin out and that is going to be more of like a traditional style gin. And then we're releasing a citrus gin, a spice gin that has got like cardamom and clove and cinnamon. And, and so it means that you can then take those and do fun things with cocktails with them as well. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of work because there's already so much flavor built into your alcohol. I noticed that. So the Reed's Distillery is a family run business. Tell us a little bit about your family. So my two brothers have a background in beer and like that sort of technical side of it. And they've got more of the technical expertise. I've got a background in cooking and I'm doing my culinary arts certificate and I've always loved cooking. I thought it's going to be something I do on the side, but never, you know, I was that weird person who was like making pickles in university. Like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and, but I thought that would never be what I did. And actually that's been the most useful kind of training I've, I've had now. And it's the most useful training I've got is that sort of background is, and being able to use it with building the flavor profiles of gin. And your dad, he's a fellow bean counter, isn't he? He is. He absolutely is. <laughs> he, is he keeps us all on track. Um, he was the one who had the enough courage to be like, yes, we can do this. Um, so he keeps us inspired um, and also keeps us on track. So he's a business mind. I got to meet Madame Maureen. Can you tell um, everyone a little about who Madame Maureen are um, and what stills are? Yeah. So Matt and Maureen are the names of our two big stills and um, they're named after my grandparents. And it's so appropriate. I feel like in some ways it's great to have them like with us when we going, going through this process. And um, I feel like they, like, I feel like in a weird way, like the stills reflect them and their personalities, which is nice. So Matt is a really big still. It is what makes our vodka. And, um, and yeah, and the still is basically going to take that sort of, that beer beginning and it's going to heat it up. And as it heats it up, it sort of separates the water from the alcohol and then it creates a stronger alcohol. And that's how you create the vodka. Um, and my grandfather was this sort of larger than life man. And, um, and now he's got this sort of larger than life still named after him. So that's really cool to see. And it's great to sort of have him around. And then the, the second one is Maureen. And Maureen is named after my grandmother. It's also my middle name. So I have a very personal connection to the still. And because my grandmother was the, like a lot of grandmothers, she was the, sort of the heart of our family. And she would always cook up these Sunday dinners and have all of the cousins, all of the, you know, everybody around. And, um, and so she was always giving all the sort of flavor to all of the food that we had. And so Maureen, um, our sort of gin still is what gives the flavor to our gin. It's what imparts all of the lovely flavors onto our gin. And so it's great that it gets to be named after my grandmother. And it's sort of a, a continuation of, of everything she taught me. And Maureen, that's where the magic happens. Absolutely. Did you always have a passion for cooking? Yeah, I think it's always been my therapy. Um, it's always been my therapy to sort of cook in the kitchen and, and cook with people as well. Like, I think that's the beautiful thing about it is, you know, it was cooking with my mom and it was cooking with Maureen, my, my grandma. And, and I think it's always that sort of connection. What was the first recipe you could remember trying? I, it didn't turn out very well. I made, I made, I can remember, I don't know why I wanted to make scones, but I was like, I would have been nine or eight and I wanted to make scones. 
and I wanted to do it by myself. And my mom was like, that's fine. You can make a scones by yourself. And I made them with baking soda instead of baking powder. Um, and my mom ate them all. And I ate one and I was like, these don't taste very nice. And she was like, they taste fine. They taste fine. <laughs> and bless her. She is such a kind person that she ate all of scones made with baking soda instead of baking powder. <laughs> okay. Now, a couple of games. Cool. You up for it? I am absolutely up for it. Okay. Rapid fire. What's your favorite word? Uh, gin. Are you easily startled or frightened? Yes, definitely. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? Oh, uh, <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, being a cook. Room, desk, and car. Which do you clean first? Desk. Otherwise, I get no work done. <laughs> What's something people don't know about you? I I get really nervous when I before I do tours because, yeah, I, I'm always just, yeah, I'm always a little bit nervous. You would never guess. <laughs> if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um... Being able, uh, being able to like apparate, go anywhere and like the drop of a hat. Yeah, that'd be great. If you were a type of food, what type of food would you be? Uh, maybe cheese because it's like savory and I love it. Mm, that's nice. And tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Um, oh, that cassia is cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know all the details of that, you have to do the tour. That's the deal. <laughs> yes, it's- <laughs> and Justin Timberlake Brock sexy back what would you bring back uh I'd bring back all the 1920s cocktails because there's some really good ones in there bees knees if you're drinking gin what's the best way to 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 consume it basically is it great on its own is it more of a mixer yeah I think um I mean any way you like it is a good way. I think I, there are rules um, and you should, should always enjoy it, like a way that makes sense to you. Uh, for yeah, and me, I think you got to see that firsthand when my girlfriends and I came. We were just drinking it any old way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like everyone's different. That's the other thing too. I think sometimes in the spirits world, people get like really sort of um, – they can get a little bit pretentious to be honest. Like people can be like, oh, you should drink your spirits neat. And I don't think that's true. I think you should drink them where they taste best for you. Um, so like, I think a simple thing with gin, a really good way to sort of get to know gin, if you're not that familiar, is with gin and tonic because it's, it's pretty fail safe. Um, and it's really adaptable because you can add like, like just a little bit of tonic if you really like the sort of like stronger alcohol flavors and a bit more spirit forward, or you can add a lot more tonic if you're still sort of working your way in there and and it's really like adaptable and easy and, and it doesn't doesn't require you to, to have a shaker on hand or anything anything too too difficult. So I know there are many different types of tonic, and it can definitely change the taste um, of the gin or mask it even. What's your advice on choosing a tonic? What's your go-to? Yeah, absolutely. Tonic makes a massive difference. Um, the main thing you want to do when you're trying to choose a tonic is turn it around. Look at the back and see how much sugar is in there. Because, you know, I think we, we pick up tonic sometimes and without even thinking, and it has as much sugar as a can of Coke. And that- That's incredible. It is. It's absolutely incredible. And all that sugar is going to mask the flavor. My suggestion is something like Fever Tree, which is going to have like less sugar in it and is going to help you sort of taste your gin better. 
That's my favorite, favorite tree. Yeah, it's pretty good. Me being a gin drinker, it makes such a huge difference with your gin. I mean, when you've got this great quality gin and honestly reads, your gin is so smooth. Oh, thanks. You know what? The smoothness of the gin, a lot of that is down to recipe. Um, you've got, um, you know, you're working with balancing different flavors and, you know, different flavors will make you taste that alcohol more or less. And we really wanted a gin that the flavors were going to be really smooth and it was going to be like a good quality, like traditional style, but like with a lot more smoothness than people are used to in their gin. How would you describe the reed style? What sets your spirit apart? So I would say the, the main thing is that we're taking a lot of sort of traditional gin methods and traditional gin sort of ingredients, but then we're doing a bit of a Canadian twist on it and we're putting a bit more Canadian heart in there because we have so much amazing stuff in Canada that's not really used in distilling. For example, our main gin is going to be sort of a traditional style gin, we say. So it's got a similar type of profile to gins you've had before, but we use a lot of wild forage botanicals. So we get our juniper berries, which are that sort of piney flavor in gin. We get um, them from the Northwest Territories, from Northern Saskatchewan. We work with foragers across the country. Um, And the berries we get from them, we get them sort of a lot fresher than a lot of distilleries because we are getting going like direct to foragers. Um, So we get a much rounder flavor. So it's not quite as aggressive. Are all your ingredients sourced locally? So (laughs) citrus is a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of citrus grows in Canada. That being said, for example, we're releasing a citrus gin where we use uh, wild sumac from Canada. Um, which is has like when you infuse it, it's got this amazing citrus flavor and it grows everywhere in Canada and we don't use it for anything. Um, so we try as much as possible to source things from Canada. Um, and we, you know, we get coriander seeds from Saskatchewan. We get apples from Ontario. Um, we get wheat from Ontario. We get our juniper berries um, you know, from Northwest Territories in Northern Saskatchewan. We get a plant called sweet fern from Northern Quebec. So we're definitely working sort of across the country to get as much as we can from Canada. But yeah, grapefruits are harder. The other thing I would say that makes our gin slightly different than a lot of gins people have is going to be some of these ingredients that are sort of wild foraged. So the sweet fern, it's like a, it's a fern that grows along the Hudson's Bay. When we found it and we distilled it and we realized what it tasted like, we were like, this is amazing. And we, we added it to our gin because it gives a really sort of nice, smooth finish on the gin. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Jacqueline Reed, owner and operator of Reed's Distillery in Toronto. Okay, so speaking of flavor profiles, and I think you mentioned something about holiday. What are you working on right now? And what techniques are you currently trying to master in your kitchen over there? So we've been working on a few different things. Um, We wanted to come out with um, products that are like different flavor profiles than people are used to, but still have that sort of Canadian heart to them. So we created a spice gin that has got that sort of cardamom, cinnamon, clove combination, which is very different than a lot of gins people are used to here. Um, and we added in something called Mirica Gale, which is like, um, it's a seed that we get from the Canadian forest and it has like a peppery tone to it. Um, and so we, we've been working on that um, and that's being released. We've also got a citrus gin. Um, we wanted to sort of play with sort of fresh citrus techniques. 
So um, most, almost all gin is using dried citrus peel, uh, but our production guys, uh, much to their dismay, <laughs> we <laughs> asked them to hand peel all of the citrus right before doing the distillation. Um, so they hand peeled all of the citrus and, um, <laughs> yeah, their hands smelled really great. Um, but then, uh, and then we wanted to have that Canadian element to it too. And so we've been working with foragers and we've infused our citrus gin with wild Canadian sumac. Doesn't sumac have like a little lemony? Yeah, exactly. You, you can make so a good. lemonade from it. It's so gorgeous. And it creates this beautiful, like, um, it's, it's got great, like pinky hues to it. It's just, it's gorgeous. Um, and we don't use it. Um, uh, we, you know, we, we import all of these lemons and limes and we've got so much like citrus flavor. I didn't even know we had sumac here, to be honest with you. My understanding of sumac was Middle Eastern recipes. And like, I would buy sumac from the shop that comes from, you know, an ocean away and not realize that we had a, like a variety of sumac that it was literally in our backyards. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually discovered that when I went to uh, St. Jacob's Market over the summer. Yeah, yeah. And someone mentioned it to me there, which was really odd, but it's just like a random fact. I'm like, really? Yeah, I became like, once we discovered this whole sumac thing, I became this person who was constantly telling people about Canadian sumac. <laughs> and because like when I first discovered it and I asked one of the foragers, I was like, where are we going to get this? And he was like, well, anywhere. It's growing in most people's backyards. I was like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I was the annoying person who's always pointing out, I was like, that's wild sumac and that's wild sumac. Uh, and then the last thing we've been working on is um, is a, a winter feast gin. Uh, so we really wanted a, a gin that would have all of the flavors of like a festive feast. Uh, so we worked with another distillery on this. It's the first time that two gin distilleries in Ontario have collaborated. Um, and we worked with a distillery called Willibald's. And, um, and yeah, we... We um, we have like things like hazelnuts and cocoa nibs and rosemary and clementines in this sort of flavor profile. It's very oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. It's really cool, and it's just totally again, it's just different than what most people have had in their gin before. Um, and so we've got that sort of for the for the holiday season as well. Okay, what would you mix all three with, or would you just have it alone on ice? So all of them go well in a gin and tonic because every time we make a gin, it has to go well in a gin and tonic. That's the deal. They also work great in a martini. Um, if I was to mix them in a cocktail, I would take the spice gin with all of those wonderful like cinnamon clove flavors and I'd make like a really awesome wintry Negroni from it. Mm, that sounds good. Yeah. It makes a really good Negroni. And then with the citrus gin, like doing something like a gin fizz, which is basically like one of those like frothy citrusy cocktails that you, you can get. And it's, but with the citrus gin, it just adds like even more citrus brightness to it. And for the festive gin, um, because the cocoa nibs give a really smooth flavor to the finish, I would suggest something more like a martini. Was there anything that inspired each flavor profile or was just something that, you know, you like these two and we kind of mix them to see what happens or did something inspire that combination? Oh, no, they were all, so all of them. And I think that's the thing about, you know, recipes is they're so connected to, you know, flavors so connected to memory and, and emotion. Um, so like all of our recipes are definitely connected to that. And um, so, for example, um, our citrus gin we, you know, we kept saying we want a bouquet of citrus and we we're like, what does this even mean? And we're trying to be like, what is actually, we want that feeling of like 
of like eating all kinds of fruit at the same time. And when you don't, and it's not just like one thing, like you're not just given an orange, but it's like a fruit salad almost, right? Like that bright fresh. Yeah. And we wanted it to be, we didn't want it to just be somebody to have a drink and be like, oh, that's lemon. No, we wanted it to be like, oh, I'm not sure. Is that lemon or lime? And, and, and it's great when we do tastings with it. People are like, oh, I taste the grapefruit most. And then some people be like, oh, I taste the orange most. Um, so it sort of, that was the sort of genesis of the citrus gin is this idea of we wanted like a bouquet of citrus. And then for the spice gin, it was really grounded in that like awesome combination of cardamom, clove and cinnamon that you get in, in Indian cooking and, uh, loving the sort of spices, spice profiles of, of, of Indian cooking and wanting to take that as the heart of it, but then add a little bit of different sort of Canadianness on it. And that's where we then added the Mirica Gale, uh, which is like a peppery flavor to it as well. See, that one to me reminds me of a big warm hug. Yeah, it feels like that. It's like all warm flavors. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And then for the last one, our winter feast, it was definitely inspired by a big dinner. Um, it was the idea of like, we wanted all the elements of a, a sort of festive feast um, in the gin. And so, and, and it was interesting because we got to try some flavors that people, you know, cocoa nibs are not something that often people are putting in gin. But when we build them and we realized the texture that they give the gin, we were like, oh, this is amazing. And so we have things like the cocoa nibs and the clementines, which sort of feel like more desserty. But then we've got like, along with the juniper berries, we've got rosemary to give a really like beautiful savoriness to it as well. And, and yeah, it was great to sort of have all of the the elements in there. Was there an unusual flavor combination that made a surprisingly big impact? I would say the thing that I've learned most about our flavor combinations in building out gin is that it's these like small additions that can make such a difference. And small additions of things that you might not realize go really nicely in something. So for example, with our main gin, it has things like fennel and coriander and these two roots called angelica and orris root. And a lot of people by themselves, when they taste those flavors, they're like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't like fennel, right? I don't like that fennel-y flavor. But when it's in the gin and it's sort of mixed in with it, they're like, oh, actually, this, this really adds to it. Um, and I think it's that breaking down that idea that there's you know, flavors we, we don't like and realizing that it can have actually a use and that maybe it's just that I haven't found the right use for that flavor yet. What are some of the common pairings with gym? So food pairings. Mm. Yeah, food pairings. Absolutely. There's loads of sort of combinations you can do with sort of gin and, and drinks with food pairings. Um, I would say we, you know, we did a seven course dinner recently at the distillery and each course was paired with a different cocktail. Um, mm. Yeah, it was great. And so Things like the pomegranate um, tomato salad, we paired with like a pomegranate basil gin smash. Um, we paired um, like a, a fruit salad at the end of the, the dinner with like a with the gin fizz to have that sort of lemony freshness. Um, we did oysters and um, like a French seventy five, which is a cocktail that has a bit of bubbly in it and really nice. Um, so you can definitely sort of pair different cocktails and even, um, just sort of a straight gin and tonic goes really nicely. Um, especially with things like seafood, smoked fish, um, and also like fruit and, um, and cheese and things like that. And speaking of that gin smash, 
Was everyone even walking out? <laughs> Were they all carrying like, one another out? Cocktails. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Next game. This or that. The choice is yours. You can go with this or you can go with that. Dog or cat? Dog. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Phone call or text? Oh, text. Work hard or play hard? Both. Always. <laughs> it's a 50-50 split. Yeah. <laughs> Pancakes or waffles? Oh, waffles, because you can fit stuff in the little grooves. Pizza or pasta? Pasta. Comedy or horror? Comedy, because horror scares me. Doesn't it? I can't. I can't. I just, I can't sleep after. It gives me too much. Like, no, life is stressful enough. I don't need stress in my room. Exactly. It heightens my anxiety levels. That's okay. We don't need that. Burger or hot dog? Burger. Dine in or delivery? Uh, Dine in. Online shopping or in store? Oh, online because it stops me from impulse buying. <laughs> Does it really? I feel like I Does. do more of that online. Because yeah, I, I feel like I have a list when I do online and then I'm like, okay, I've got it. But when I walk past stuff in a store, it's hard, especially like grocery shopping. I always end up with like twice as much stuff if I go into the grocery store. <laughs> grocery shopping, yeah, there is a difference. <laughs> <laughs> this one's important. Toilet paper, over or under? Over, definitely over. We can be friends. Thank you. <laughs> in fact, I'm that person who like changes toilet paper in people's houses. <laughs> would you like or can you? Not would you like because a lot of people don't like to share it, but I kind of forced it out of that, their <laughs> kitchen confession with us. Okay. So my kitchen confession is that I, I never thought of myself as somebody who could make recipes. And then when we started making this gin recipe and it took us eight months to make our, our main gin recipe. I was absolutely terrified and I thought it's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. I thought it was going to be terrible for about seven months. <laughs> and, and then when we finally got the balance and we did over a hundred different combinations, even we decide, decide on the ingredients. And when I, we finally got it and, and everyone was like, you can relax now. This is delicious. <laughs> but I, I had total imposter syndrome for seven months of, of the recipe process. And I think that for me, it's like, I, I tell people that when they're like, I, oh, I can't cook or, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, you can, trust me. <laughs> 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 Just give it seven months. You definitely can. <laughs> if listeners want to reach out for more information, if they want to catch up with you online, um, book a tour, find out all about Jacqueline and Reed's Distillery, where can they find you? Yeah, they can find it. We're on social media for sure. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Reeds Distillery and on our website as well at reedsdistillery.com. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank, thank you so you. much for being here, for sharing all your information. Um, yeah, the thank laughs. you so much for having me. I really, <laughs> yeah, I love, I love podcasts. And I love your podcast. So it's so much fun to be on. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. I'd like to thank producer and editor Matt Agnew, and I'm Mary Mammoliti. See you at the next episode. 